In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. These days are special days for us to have in mind royalty. After all, we are celebrating Our Lady's Assumption into Heaven, as well as her coronation as the Queen of Heaven, the Queen of the Universe. It's not often that we go to see, personally, a coronation. In fact, the last one we're aware of was a long, long, long time ago. But we can imagine the pomp, the circumstances, the big celebration. And if we imagine a coronation that takes place in London, England, for example, we would find ourselves along with all the other tourists far away from what is really happening. But in the case of Mary, it is totally different. This is the coronation of our mother. And for that reason, we find ourselves inside the palace, actually at her side, as she is crowned Queen of the Universe. Let us say to her how proud we are, proud of her as Queen, proud of her as our mother. And furthermore, we are determined to learn from her learn from her style of queenship. After all, her vision of queenship, she learned it from her son, obviously. And it was Jesus who said to us, to reign is to serve. To serve is to reign. R-E-I-G-N. To be a king, to be a ruler, to be a queen, means to serve. In the case of Mary, her entire being was focused on serving. We just think of the scene, the moment of the Annunciation. That beautiful moment in the life of Mary when she was all of 16 or 17, roughly. She heard those amazing words from the Archangel Gabriel. Behold, you will conceive a son. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. You shall name him Jesus. And in the very next breath, the archangel says to Mary, And behold, your Elizabeth, your cousin, is in her sixth month of pregnancy. Well, what is so illuminating for us is to watch Our Lady's response. She could very easily have spent a lot of time dwelling on that amazing message. His kingdom will have no end. 
But as soon as she heard that her cousin was in need of her, she was out of that house right away. She went with haste from Nazareth all the way down to Ein Karem. Saint Jose Maria helps us a lot getting this idea of service when he gave us that little phrase per servire, servire. Literally, in order to serve, serve, which is obvious. But it also means in order to be useful, serve. Well, we can take that and we can make that our, our own saying and we can turn it upside down. We can say to Jesus, I love to be useful. I hate to be useless. The last thing I want to do is to be useless. And so I will serve. I will do whatever it takes to learn how to serve. There are so many instances and situations where we can learn how to serve to discover the needs of others around us and to address those needs without waiting to be asked. Someone was telling the story of the visit of his parents from a different country. They were just sitting, visiting in a hotel room. And at one point, the person who lives here in Montreal just reached down and without even thinking about it, he scratched his leg. And his father said, what's wrong? Well, nothing. Now it's just, you know, it just itches. And his dad said, get in the car, we're going to the pharmacy. So they went and this person's father introduced him to the wonderful world of carry lotion, which until that moment was unknown to him. So his dad bought two giant you know, gallons that last for the next 20 years anything to serve him. You know, at work, we have to get better and better at having this attitude of service, of detecting what other people need. St. Josemaria gave a wonderful formula when he said that those who lead have to ensure that everyone that that person is leading can work with order and with joy. And just think what the world would be like if in any office setting, in any, really, any enterprise, the boss, the manager would be there thinking, okay, first of all, I want everyone in this office, in this organization, to be able to work with order, as opposed to putting out fires all the time, which is what happens in so many different situations. But also, what a wonderful thing to work in a place where the atmosphere is one of joy. People, if they hear this, quite often they will end up scoffing, saying, that doesn't exist anywhere. Well, it has to be, because we are meant to be happy on this earth. And so each one of us, well, this is what we ask our Lord right now. We ask Our Lady. There where we work, or study, whatever. We want to, to be able to exist and work in the same kind of atmosphere that reigned there in the house of Nazareth, in the workshop of Joseph.
for example. One of Our Lady's favorite ways of exercising her queenship is by turning to her son, the king, on our behalf. This is amazing. I mean, each of us is really great at this. Turning to Mary and saying, Mary, I need this, I need that. Please nudge your son. It's really almost no fair. Because we know that Jesus, if we can dare put it in these very human terms, when Jesus sees his mother coming to him, with a whole long list of, of favors to ask, his knees buckle, not, not really, but we can imagine. And he says, how can I possibly say no to you? You never said no to me. If you have discovered this great uh, app called I Pray With The Gospel, you came across a very charming, unusual story not that long ago. It turns out that uh, St. John Paul II received a visit from a bishop who had come to tender his resignation. And John Paul said, what's the problem? And the bishop said, my mother is chronically ill. I want to resign because I want to take care of her. And St. John Paul II said to this bishop, well, I was thinking of naming you as my nuncio to a certain country, like a papal ambassador. But if you say that the only problem is that your mother is chronically ill, well, let's take care of that. So let's you and I say a Hail Mary right now. So you can imagine this poor bishop thinking to himself, okay. So the two of them, they just said a Hail Mary. And then John Paul II said, okay, now that that's taken care of, let's move on. The bishop was thinking, what do you mean taken care of? Well, the fact is the next day his mother was completely cured. This is exceptional. We have to learn from great heroes. And St. John Paul II, who knows, we will learn over time how many miracles like that he performed while he was with us. There is a passage in Tolstoy's War and Peace that helps us to understand what Jesus is up against. This is putting it in very human terms. But what he's up against when Mary turns to him and asks him for things. This episode takes place rather early on in the book, maybe page 650, roughly. And it has to do with the Princess Drubetskoy, who went to see the Prince Vasily to speak to the Emperor about her son, to get her son into the palace guards. So the prince, according to Tolstoy, watched this princess coming towards him and he saw from her manner that she was one of those women, especially mothers, who once they have an idea in their heads, they will not give it up until their wishes are fulfilled. And until then, they are prepared for daily, hourly persistence, even for creating scenes. And this last consideration made him waver. He gave up. 
It's okay. There is another aspect of being a member of the royal family that is very important for us. And each one of us is a member of the royal family. Our mother is the queen of the universe, and that's all that it takes. It is having this attitude of, of generosity, of being magnificent, of being just very attentive to give of ourselves. As opposed to what? As opposed to being focused on our own needs, on, on our own activities, our own whatever. A very interesting article came out just the other day, many articles along the same lines about people's very poor attention span. The article had to do with two people who had been engineers for Google and both of them quit five years ago and since then have been writing and warning and lecturing about ultimately about the danger of a very, very, very brief attention span. One of them, he, sp he speaks in rather dramatic terms. He says, the liberation of human attention may be the defining moral and political struggle of our time. It's a powerful phrase, the liberation of human attention, freeing our attention from slavery. In that article, the author quotes a certain professor at MIT who has been studying this phenomenon for decades. And she writes, there's a real problem here. What we're looking at now, those who age 14 to 21, they are the first generation who have had to compete to get their parents' attention. To compete with what? To compete with gizmos, smartphones, video games, whatever. They have had to, to basically try to get their parents' attention because their parents have needed to be constantly connected. Now, obviously, if we were to ask the parents for their point of view, they would say, my little one never puts the thing down. But all of this is to say, we don't have to fall into that trap. For example, when we're at home, when we're with people, we can say to them, or at least show with our deeds, I think so highly of you and of this moment of conversation that I'm going to turn everything off. No one can find me, no one can interrupt us. You have my total undivided attention. It's the very same thing we're doing right now during this time of prayer. When we say to the Lord, no one can find me. And I refuse to be interrupted. We said just a couple of minutes ago, magnificence. It is part of what we could call noblesse oblige. And we are obliged to behave as royalty. It doesn't mean waiting for the carriage to come around to transport us to wherever. 
It means, for example, being called to excellence in whatever we do. Mediocrity for us is something that has been banished a long time ago. We don't do mediocrity, so to speak. And why? Because of this noblesse oblige. In caring for people, we are magnificent. You might recall that anecdote of Alexander the Great, who one day was, was riding by and he saw a very poor person by the side of the road who held out his hands asking for some help. So Alexander got off his horse and walked over and gave to that person a bag with gold coins in it. And somebody observing the whole scene said to Alexander, a few copper coins would have suited this person's needs. And Alexander reportedly said, granted, they would have suited this person's needs, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. He asks as he is, I give as I am. Well, same thing when we're taking care of each other. People ask for something very basic and we go overboard. It brings up another aspect of being part of royalty, being part of the royal family, which is self-dominion. Someone who is royal is in control. Each one of us have this sense of being in control. In control, for example, of our appetites, our schedule. When we see that we want to get up at a certain time, we get up at that time because we are in control. We make our bed. We are not slaves to food or drink. We have a schedule and we follow it because of this same royalty. Which brings up a final point, a really interesting one, which has to do with our, our comportment, our way of walking, believe it or not. Undoubtedly, you recall that, that wonderful point in the way where St. Josemaria quotes someone writing to him saying, Father, this is a student who's writing, I was thinking of what you told me, that I am a son of God. And I found myself walking along the street, head up, chin out, shoulders back, a feeling of pride inside, a son of God. And then St. Josemaria says, with a sure conscience, I advised him to foster that pride. In another point, he says, maturity, your bearing, your way of walking, of standing, of everything, ought to reflect the peace and order in your soul. This may or may not bring to mind a very popular book these days that talks along the same lines, even though this person who is a clinical psychologist is talking about chemicals. He's talking on a totally different level. But the conclusion is the same. Get those shoulders back. 
He says, standing up straight with your shoulders back is not only something physical, because you are not only a body, you are a spirit, a psyche. What he's getting at, and this will lose some of us because we didn't, you know, we don't, don't all know all that much about uh, organic chemistry. But he's saying, you know, if you slump around with the same bearing that characterizes a defeated lobster, people will assign you a lower status, and then your brain will adjust accordingly, and it will not produce as much serotonin. Now, if that leaves you in doubt, something we can look up later, but it's really interesting. Our way of standing up has an impact on our spirit. It's logical. We're one piece. To stand up straight with your shoulders back is to accept the responsibility of life with eyes wide open. This person, he says, life is basically pursuing a treasure that is protected by a dragon. A lot of people will take one look, they will see that dragon, and they will say, I'd rather not. And so they walk away with their shoulders drooping, and basically they give up. But heroes, which is what we're called to be because we're part of the royal family, they see that dragon they say to themselves, what is that dumb dragon doing protecting my treasure? And so they say, well, I, I will just have to take care of that dumb dragon in order to bring home, bring home the bacon, bring home the treasure. So they go get it. Well, we, taking those insights of a clinical psychologist, we say, well, wait a minute. For me, the treasure is heaven. Granted, there will be difficulties, just as Our Lady knew from the moment of the Annunciation there would be difficulties, big difficulties. She never gave up, which is why at the end of her life she was assumed into heaven and crowned as the Queen of the Universe. For that reason, we turn to her as we finish this time of prayer. We say to her, Mary, obtain from your Son all the graces necessary for me to go about my life living this Christian vocation of mine with all the valor, all the courage, the fortitude, the perseverance, the constancy, all those virtues and many more that you, te you are teaching me constantly, interceding for me before your son, before the, your spouse, the Holy Spirit. And while you're at it, we say to Mary, keep up that marvelous intercession of yours, because I will continue, as always, to flood you with all sorts of intentions, asking you for all sorts of favors. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, 
My guardian angel, intercede for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.